0: Putting the pieces together with Jigsaw Learning focuses on stories from the field as leaders implement collaborative response. Join us every month as we invite our partners to share how they are meeting the diverse needs of students with the integral understanding that every child deserves a team.
1: So welcome back to another episode of Putting the Pieces Together with Jigsaw Learning. Uh, Curtis, Lauren, and I are joined today by Dave Fender, the principal of W.A. Day School in Livingston Range School Division. So hi, Dave. Thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, you're welcome. And hi.
1: But I want to know about the hockey jersey behind you.
2: There's a story there. Well, the hockey jersey is actually a Wolfpack jersey. So um, at our elementary school, we have an after-school program where the kids... There's four days a week where we do various sports for an hour and we, we call it the wolf pack. So that's my wolf pack Jersey with my name on it. So it's the school. Yeah.
3: Oh, that's awesome. Okay. When you
0: say that, all I can think about is the hangover (laughs) movie of (laughs) Davis, uh, of how many kids he's got in his wolf pack. (laughs) (laughs) Probably totally unrelated. Yeah, Totally unrelated. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. So, Dave, we've just met, but you have known Curtis and Lorna for a number of years.
2: And yeah, I, I guess I've known he's... Curtis for 10 to 12 years. And yeah, Lorna, I just met you when I started here at um, in Livingston Living. Range. Yeah. I knew Curtis before I was with the Livingston Range. Okay.
0: Yeah, I remember coming out to uh, school in Coalhurst, uh, Jenny Emery, when I was still principal with West Meadow School, Dave and... Um, sharing some of our early understandings of this work at a very, very um, infancy <laughs> level of what does it look like when you start building a collaborative response in the school. Yeah, and you had mentioned before we came on camera the, the sticky boards that we had at that time and <laughs> notes about kids that would move around and just help coordinate the the work of staff to help support students.
2: And even, even though I can see that you're kind of being self-deprecating I hope you're not being too self-deprecating because for us when I've been at a, a a previous school um we I read um Rich DeFore's um oh what the heck um whatever it takes no 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 oh, before professional
0: that. learning communities at work
2: professional yeah PLCs yeah. professional yeah. learning communities yeah and so we started that at our school but we kind of went in there having read the book but not a clear vision and so then Curtis, when you came to Jenny Emery, when I was over there, that really helped to, to kind of bring the blinders in and, and narrow our vision, be a little bit more focused, and it's just what it's become over the years. And then working with, with you again, you and Lorna, even more focused. I'm really
0: curious, um, and we we've started to try and ask this question for any of our guests that are coming on and we do want to come and talk about what are some of the shifts that you've seen in regards to this collaborative response work over time and through your work but if you had to describe collaborative response to a colleague who's unfamiliar with it what what would you say how would you describe the work to uh, another leadership colleague who's who's unfamiliar with any of of this uh literature
2: i don't know if i can answer that concisely curtis Um, And so please stop me if you feel like I'm rambling on (laughs) too much. But I think think for the most part teachers are islands unto themselves. And I don't know this because I've not asked every teacher I've worked with, but I would suspect the number is pretty close to 100% of the teachers when they're going through an education program at the university they have this vision of what the future is going to look like. And it involves continuous professional development that is self-directed. But I think what ends up happening, I shouldn't say what I think, what does end up happening is the job consumes you. And most people that professional development is no longer self-directed. It's initiated from within the school or the district. And I don't mean that as a slight towards teachers. I mean that is that's how teachers survive. Mm -hmm. And what collaboration does, it allows you in a way to have that professional development on an ongoing regular basis where you're able to share with your colleagues your expertise. And if I can give you one example, when we first started, and this is years ago, this is actually after the the PLC and Rick four when we were quite literally stumbling our way through things. And I remember one teacher saying about another teacher in the school, You and I have worked together for 10 years. I had no idea how much you knew. Mm-hmm. You know, and that sort of <laughs> stuck with me ever since.
0: Well, it's interesting when you say that because we talk about this collaborative response. And yeah, it's about supporting students and ensuring that none are slipping through the cracks. But really, we're doing it in a way that's about unearthing everyone's toolbox. And, you know, trying to do exactly as you say, understand that this person I've been teaching across the hall from has some strategies and ideas that could impact my practice. And without that being formalized, at least to start, it's sometimes those skill sets remain unknown to one another.
2: Mm hmm. Sure.
0: I like
3: I like the way that you've described that Dave too because it becomes um, through collaborative response and through setting up those structures and processes, then teachers have a natural way of engaging in that professional learning and from each other as opposed to having one more thing that they have to do because they're so consumed by the work that they do in their classroom. But rather, it becomes part of the work that they're doing and even better, the people that they rely on are the people that are in their building.
2: Without a collaborative response model or some way where you're getting together, and in a safe way, and that doesn't happen just with the snap of the fingers, it takes time for that safety and that trust with one another to develop because nobody wants to, to reveal their shortcomings as a teacher, but mm-hmm. we all have them. Every single one of us has them, right? For sure. And I know um, one time <laughs> I uh, I videotaped myself teaching a lesson and then showed that to the staff. And I had them offer suggestions, critique, you know, what I was doing well, suggestions for improvement. And the whole goal of that was just to make people go, oh, wow, Fender really does make mistakes when he's teaching, because we all do, right? None of us has ever taught perfectly. But the whole idea, of course, with that was to build that trust, to know that your lesson is never going to be perfect. yeah, and that we all need each other, you know, yeah, to be the best that we can be because a classroom is never the same from year to year, from day to day. The variables are innumerable, right? And so we're just making a thousand decisions a day trying to do the best we can for the kids. And if we can work together with colleagues just to try and increase the likelihood that we're going to be just a little bit better for the sake of our kids, why wouldn't we do that?
0: Well, and you really expose that idea that Patrick Lencioni shares around vulnerability based trust, right? Mm-hmm. That, that the leader goes first, shows that it's okay to say, I don't know, or I haven't done this perfectly, or I need I need some further support in this. And we've really tried to emphasize that idea of everyone coming into our collaborative conversations as an expert and a learner. Everyone has something to contribute, but I can take away something every time because I'm I don't have this mastered yet, nor am I ever going to have this mastered.
1: Listening to you talk, Curtis, I think that as Jigsaw learning, we reflect that vulnerability too in terms of what we knew about collaborative response 10, 12, 15 years ago. That's shifted. and, And that's as a result of saying, we want to learn from people that are implementing this and we want to be in schools and we want to work with partners, so, this is where I turn to you, Dave. You've been a part of collaborative response. You worked with Curtis and Lorna before you were working with them again. What would you say are some of the shifts that you've seen as a result of the learning that we've been able to do?
2: Um, definitely more focused, more and this sounds cliche, but I don't mean it as a cliche. just more 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 results oriented. Um, so in the past, there might have been it might have been more about, complaining or talking about things that we had no control over
0: mm-hmm.
2: whereas through the the collaborative response model it's just brought home the need to be to more focused to come planned to come prepared to share what you've tried and say help I don't know what to do next you know and then typically we end up in a situation because we bring up the issue and then you discover that, your colleagues some or all of them are facing the same issues and are looking for suggestions or have suggestions right Mm -hmm. so just coming so it's more focused issues oriented and and coming with the idea that we're going to lay it on the table the strategies that we've tried and then be prepared to listen to each other and we're more effective that whole continuum of supports to just documenting Um, the suggestions and the strategies that we're making so that we don't, because I I know how my brain works and I could go to a a really effective meeting and come away with great ideas, but if I haven't touched on those those ideas or needed to touch on those ideas or strategies over a period of time, I may likely have forgotten about them. And so creating a database where we can go and look at some of the strategies that we've discussed over time, so that before we come to the meetings, as teachers we can look at those continuum of supports we can see what strategies have been suggested before so that we can try those things too before we're bringing a topic and issue up to the group sure.
3: and and really thinking about how that continuum of supports contributes to and is populated by your collaborative team meetings too
0: but it's constantly evolving and growing yeah. and you know we're finding things that we should be adding to our continuum, and in time, being critical and seeing some Taking things. Okay, things this, this isn't working as effectively as as we think it could for our
2: students. If you look at something just as as simple and Curtis, you you've been around long enough too to to have seen, um, like videos becoming such a, like videotapes, like VHS yeah. becoming yeah. <laughs> a big thing in classrooms, and I can remember these kids watch too many videos at home you know that kind of thing well man if only right now (laughs) that the the kids the things that they're able to be exposed to and frankly a video doesn't excite the kids at all because they can watch whatever movie whenever they want you know whatever their parents you know that part has changed so much the kids um as I've said, the blueberries are looking different as they're walking through the doors, right? And we need to figure out how we're going to meet the needs and make the best, the best ice cream possible, despite changing blueberries coming through the door.
0: Well, and I think that really points to that idea of, you know, a real sense of collective efficacy of, you know, whatever's coming to us, we're not faced with a oh, well, until we get better students better supplies more supports all of these things there's not much we can do where through this work it's okay well this is our reality what what can we do how do we Mm -hmm. help support what's an idea that we can can try and and through our layers of teams being able to determine at those tier one and two levels what is it that we can be trying at the classroom first before we ever escalate that that student up to higher levels of support
2: I think collaborative response is going to be even more important in the years to come because Read. the the, um, the the nature and the needs of the children is changing. And I'm not saying that in a, in a negative way. This is, you know, that like, does society affect school or does school affect society? Yeah. Um, society, I think, has a, a dominant effect on the schools and we need to figure out how to to work with what the, back to the blueberries, the kids that are coming to us and they have have changed so much. And I I see the number of kids, not just at our school, because I talked to other administrators, not just in our district, but other districts, the number of kids that come late regularly, the number of absences there are. And I know the last few years have been a bit of an anomaly, Mm -hmm. but in some ways it's almost, for some of our students and parents that school is optional, you know, we will show up when when we feel like going that day or what have you. And I don't know this, but my hunch is that it's a reflection on schools needing to change to better meet the needs of the kids that are coming to us. That mm-hmm. in many ways, despite all the knowledge that we have, despite the power of of collaborative response, I think fundamentally some of the changes that we're going to have to make for our kids are are greater than what we've made if we're going to keep them engaged.
3: I I totally agree, Dave. And thinking about, you know, we can no longer uh, have that general (laughs) instructional practice for most students because we've Mm -hmm. got more unique needs. Mm-hmm. amongst all of our students. So now we need to think deeply about how do we attend to the needs of many instead of the needs of just a, a few students. So just mm-hmm. thinking about that intensity and the needs that are coming forward, we really need to be flexible. And we do, again, I said before about leaning into our colleagues um, in, in order to support and in order to look at all of the different possible strategies that we could be using for students regardless and knowing that there are kids who have all kids have strengths but Mm -hmm. all kids have those challenges you mentioned that before too dave but it's identifying that and then how do we attend to all those varying needs we have to do that through collaborating with each other
0: well and i think we have to see our work in schools not as a technical challenge you know like my, my daughter's car not starting well that's a technical challenge you know I can go and look at a manual I can see okay what's the step procedure a, b, what's c. step a b c we're going to check the battery first and we're going to do this but our kids in schools are not technical challenges they're adaptive challenges that we have to address and adaptive challenges take innovative thinking they take collaboration. What worked on one day may not work on another. It's some problem solving that yeah. needs to
3: happen in order to figure out what it is that kids need mm-hmm. in that moment in time.
0: And I think it comes right back to that, a whole idea of how do we collaboratively respond to these adaptive challenges that we're we're facing? And I agree, I, I don't think it's uh, going to become any less complex in the future. I think it's, as you say, just the opposite.
2: Like I think back to getting, you know, when I was trying to become a teacher and getting interviewed for a teacher job. And so, Mr. Fender, please tell me what process you go through planning for your students. You know, what does that look like? So of course you you say, well, it begins with the program of studies and blah, 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 right? And you know how that, that answer works. Um, but I think in some way that the program of studies, we need to make sure that it's not limiting what our teachers think they're allowed to do that what they need to do first is figure out what the needs of the children are and then figure out which part of the curriculum from K to 12 is going to meet their needs regardless of the grade they're in. Mm -hmm. And if we're teaching grade three, um, we're not just looking at that grade three curriculum because frankly, grade names are, I think, arbitrary. You know, we use them to help sort It doesn't mean that every child that comes to you with a grade three has all the prerequisite knowledge to be at a grade three student based on the Alberta education curriculum. Mm -hmm.
3: I love that, Dave, because I've said for a long time now that I would love to be able to get rid of those grades, that we remove that altogether to the system because it is about, it's the difference between I'm teaching curriculum for that particular grade level or am I teaching
2: students? I think if we're going down this street, Laura, <laughs> I, I wish, honestly, I wish every one of the classrooms at WA because we have kindergarten to grade five, I wish every classroom was a K to five classroom. And ju- just think of the power that that could have, right?
1: Yeah, um,
2: absolutely. It would have amazing social implications Because the younger kids would look up to the the older kids. The older kids wouldn't feel any sort of competition from the younger kids. They would see themselves in more of a maternalistic or paternalistic way. Um, You would have way more opportunity for collaboration and sharing amongst all of your teachers. Like I could talk to you all day about that.
3: (laughs) We'll get together another time and talk about that. I'm right there with you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Dave, um, we, we diverse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know as
0: we've engaged with you, one of the things that's really stuck with Lorna and I in listening what's happened at WA Day is when you talk about teachers collaborating, well, it doesn't just happen naturally. We need structures and processes, but more importantly, at the base, a lot of times it impacts the timetabling that we set up. So can you describe how you've gone about timetabling for teams at WA What does that look like within your school?
2: Yeah, Now we're, we're, I have to say, really lucky because it's, 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 it's been easy in some ways. Because currently we have a phys ed specialist. Currently we have a music specialist and we have our learning commons. And so we set it up. So for example, our grade threes, they go to PE, music, learning commons, and then the three classes can rotate around that. And so then that allows those teachers to be able to meet for an hour and a half, approximately time.
0: And and is that happening on a weekly basis that the teams receive 90 minutes of that that time
2: together? Yeah.
0: And so then, Dave, how do you set it up? Um, in regards to when they're meeting weekly, how do you infuse in a collaborative team meeting versus collaborative planning time? What does that look like for, for your teams?
2: So we we get together more formally every approximately six weeks as, as a group. So administration, um, learning support, assistance when we can, where mm-hmm. we come together, like I say, more formally, just sharing, you know, we review where we were six weeks ago, um, what progress we've made, and how can we help next <laughs> as a team? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And using that collaborative team meeting structures.
2: Yeah.
1: So, Dave, how did you come to bring your staff then into this school wide approach to collaborative
2: response? Well, I have, I, I kind of have two answers because I can't, for this staff, I can't necessarily say it was because of me, because I inherited a culture where they were already getting together and doing exactly what I just described. Um, But coincidentally, the last school that Curtis talked about us, him doing some work with us at, it was similar where we were able to line up phys ed, music Mm -hmm. and learning commons one after the other. And at, at first teachers wondered why you were getting together Um, and I can't say that I, I answered as effectively back then as what I might be able to now about what that reason was, but it didn't take long, frankly, for teachers to really appreciate the idea of getting together for 90 minutes a week to collaborate, whether it was as focused as, you know, if you could go back in time, right. (laughs) As I would like to, nevertheless, it wasn't a negative um, and it was so positive that the next school I went to that I was only at for two years, it was a middle school. They did not have that that same opportunity in the timetable, but they willingly met before school once a week on their own. If if you give teachers an opportunity, if it's important and you make it happen during the school day, um, rather than it seeming like an add on it doesn't take long for teachers to realize the power and the benefit of getting mm-hmm. together and sharing with one another. So much so that when that time maybe disappears, like it did at the middle school I was at, they still want it to meet even before school.
0: So Dave, yeah. have you found, and, and, and this has been my experience, but I love hearing if it's um, others as well, that when you structure and formalize the the formal collaboration time, like that 90 minutes that you're talking about, Do you find any um, overflow of that or positive benefits to the informal collaboration that happens? Like I, I've found that when we start to really define what does that time together look like, that it, it starts to have positive impact on the informal collaboration. Like the conversations just, they start to sound a little bit different in the workroom, staff rooms after school.
2: For sure. The conversations are richer and the, uh, that time together almost becomes uh, like, don't you dare touch that, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't ask for something like if if I need to meet with the teachers and really the best time to do it is during the collaboration time. And it's not during that more formal time. It's when maybe it's just a grade level of teachers that are are meeting. I always try and give them advance notice. Saying, I promise I'll only use 10 minutes. Here's what it's going to be. Yeah. That'll be out or whatever. Yeah. Because it's it's definitely richer conversations, and when I think of when we when I was first doing more of a PLC, and I know Rich DeFore had had set it up, so they were really looking at student data all the time. Yeah. Um, but I I I hadn't set it up like that, and so oftentimes it just became about planning for events that were coming up, and even that wasn't negative. <laughs> But it's definitely become more ritual, richer and valuable and more of a benefit for the kids.
0: So when you speak of the kids, we know that Fort McLeod does have a a very diverse population with students coming in from um, your your um, reserve communities as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about how the collaborative response processes have impacted or been influenced by your indigenous student
2: population? like I, I think of myself coming to Fort McLeod. Um, I did not have a lot of firsthand experience with First Nations students. So I, I came in, you know, hands up. I'm I, so respectful and and wanting to do everything I could to make sure that I didn't say anything that was, was offensive to anybody because honestly, so much of what I would say was out of ignorance. Um, so I, I had to lay my cards on the table right from the beginning to say, I don't know, I am here to learn and I want to be respectful. And if I do say anything wrong, make assumptions that are wrong, please let me know. Um, the collaborative response, mo- and, and I'm not the only one, right? Because teachers come and go in a, in a school and some of our teachers have immense knowledge um, and experience working with first nations mm-hmm. students um, direct connections with families being friends with um, and so being able to to have those experts on staff has been great for everybody and having the collaborative response model gives you way more more opportunity to sit and share in a safe way your questions that you might have, concerns that you might have, and listen to to people with more knowledge than you share their expertise and suggestions. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I do think that it's just that continual building of collective knowledge together to help support. And again, it goes right back to where we started the conversation, Dave, of being vulnerable and saying, I don't know. I'm learning how what can I take away from a from another colleague that's going to help just build my toolbox and my understanding and make mm-hmm. it that much more rich as well.
2: Mm-hmm. And working with with elders too, right? We've done a lot of that over the last few years. And one of the first things I always say, <laughs> I kind of lay my cards on the table just like I just did, you know, what I shared with you is is to say, I just have the utmost respect and want to learn as much as I can. But even if I was to go and live, on the reserve, and and participate in a daily life with First Nations people every day. I am not First Nations. I never have been. I never will. So I'll always come at this from a point of um, of ignorance. You know, I'll never completely understand. So if I make mistakes, <laughs> they're innocent. Please forgive me. And it's frankly, the relationships have been really positive. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And we can't we we can't ever uh, put ourselves into that place, but coming at it from the stance of learning and trying to understand and and being vulnerable, because there are uh, there are so many things that we need to learn still Mm -hmm. when we're working with children from indigenous families.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure.
3: Dave, you have been working at this for a little while, and when uh, we often talk about that idea of sustainability and maintaining momentum when you are, you know, you get to a great place with your staff, and then you get new people coming some into your building, leaves,
0: some, some I think, come in.
3: and for you in particular, um, Leanne Feller was your AP before uh, last year, and now she's gone on to do some work at the district, just thinking about, you know, when you lose some of that leadership or when you lose some of your key people in your staff who help to drive those processes forward, how do you maintain momentum?
2: Luckily, it hasn't been that hard. Like it's tough to lose somebody like Leanne, but you also know that that's just part of the ebb and flow within a school that people Mm -hmm. people come and go, and if the 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 work is important, people will make sure it continues. And so when you lose somebody like Leanne, and you say to staff, say, you know what, folks, you know me, you know what my limits are, um, what my strengths are. It's going to take all of us working together to make sure we keep this going. And 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 people step up to the plate. And in the way it worked out for us, we were able to bring one of our our teachers into the acting AP role. And in some ways it's been, it's made collaboration stronger because he was able to work with the collaborative response model as a teacher Mm -hmm. with Leanne and I being APs. So he can now come into it with that perspective, right? Like all of us were teachers at one time, um, but the longer you're in administration, you lose a little bit of, um, I don't, you know, it, 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 gets more difficult to look at things from just the teacher's perspective mm-hmm. and not just the administrator's perspective. So Corby coming in as our acting AP, it, it's been a really good thing because he's been able to make little changes that, um. And he has that trust of his colleagues, right? Because he worked one on one with them. they yeah. They know what he's like as a teacher, and now he's taken on a new role. So we've even had him being the uh, the facilitator for the meetings, yeah. like a willing facilitator for the meetings. and it's it's been awesome because he's able to ask and predict some of the things that he remembers thinking as as one of the teachers in the collaborative response
3: it's so great to have that uh the growing leadership within your staff team too but really speaks to the the fact that we want your we want the whole staff to have a really in-depth understanding of what you're trying to do through collaborative response so that you do have that shared leadership across your building too
0: well and you have the structures and the processes then in place that as that don't fall apart when key people regardless
3: of who's coming in and
0: out yeah we can always build upon and refine and evolve but it's not like you're starting from ground zero every time you have key people making making shifts within your building
2: no isn't like i said in some ways you look at it as an opportunity right yeah and that's no disrespect for the people that leave but it's just an opportunity to look at things in a different way because you're not going to forget all of those things that that other person brought to the table right you'll continue with all of that but now you can continue with more Mm
3: -hmm. yeah and it's not about the person it's about the structures and and processes that you that's right in the school
2: yeah if if i was to walk out the door today and not ever come back um, collaborative response is going to go along just fine with or without me that's good to hear Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) So listening to you talk, Dave, I think this is the perfect time for this question. This
0: question is brought to you by WeCollab. Designed by educators for educators, this comprehensive digital system aligns with the foundational components of collaborative response. Moving from conversation to action, WeCollab empowers classrooms, schools, and systems to provide the very best response for each and every child by informing action-based decision-making with data and evidence supporting student success.
1: In the spirit of, if I knew then what I know now, what advice would you give yourself with respect to collaborative response and its
2: implementation you know you could do the same thing 10 years from now right yeah <laughs> and then 10 years later and 10 years later yeah um i i i guess a couple of short answers one is um is being just more focused on on the issues and the sharing the strategies and coming with ideas, Um, but also never to presume that you know, that you're all like, just about every meeting, I'll say something along the lines of, this has to be effective for you to be effective for the kids. If there's any ideas that you come up with on how we can make these meetings more effective, you know, please let us know. And yeah, that's not necessarily I something asked at the beginning. Yeah, I realized that it needed to happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't think I'm, I don't know that I'm answering your question directly because I think my answer will be the same in five years or 10 years, Mm -hmm. that we need to always be looking at how how to make it better, how to make it better, how to make it better. And better meet the needs of the kids. So,
1: I can tell it from your response, though, Dave, that your staff is in good hands because you. I are... sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that your authenticity and and genuineness about about wanting things to be better for them and for the kids it it shines through. So, well, thank good. you well, for I... taking the time to be here and share that with us.
2: Oh, you're welcome.
0: And I think it goes to that understanding that we've come to arrive at that we didn't understand initially is the idea of collaborative response being a mindset. It's just a way of how we operate within the school to collaboratively respond to those students that you say, you know, the, the, the complexities, the challenges, the strengths, the excitement, all of that, that comes to us. It's, it's more than any one person can attend to effectively. We, we need to bring ourselves together to, um, effectively collaborate and provide the best that we can for kids.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I know, I don't know how much you've read about um, education in Finland. And uh, like about 10 years ago is when I started to read more. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and just looking at the amount of of time that the teachers spent in the classroom and the amount of time that they spent together planning, right? And so and, you know, Finland has been touted for quite a while as having one of the best education systems in the world. Mm-hmm. And collaborative response, in a way, helps us become a little bit, to model ourselves a little bit more like the Finnish model of education, where teachers are having more time to spend together, to plan together mm-hmm. how to meet the needs of the kids.
0: Yeah, and and to use that time really purposefully, like, like for you're sure. saying, Dave. For sure,
1: again you've presented your vulnerability and 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 said i'm i'm going to put them out there and let my help, staff help me get better right like
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's that's a huge step as a leader and and the integrity that you present that with to your staff the buy-in that they will give you in return is incredible
2: yeah i don't know how you can you can't do it that way right because if you pretend to be the know-it-all and you are well What's everybody going to do? What's Fender going to tell us to do, right? Yeah. And if you don't know it all and you pretend you do, people figure that out pretty quickly too, right? So <laughs> yeah. you may as well clean right off the bat.
3: <laughs> well, and that gets right down to the essence of collaboration, right? It's when yeah. we are truly collaborating where we don't have necessarily an expert yeah. who is telling us what we should be doing because that's not collaborating. Mm-hmm
2: do you in your experience because this definitely happens to us there's times when we come out of our collaborative uh meetings where we've been talking about an issue and honestly we don't really have a good answer yeah Mm -hmm. you know it's one that's going to require further exploration and maybe just something that you're going to work on all year but do you what do you do when you come across those times
0: (laughs) yeah so absolutely understanding that we're not here to find the perfect fixes um, as well, but that may also initiate a exploration around, is there some professional learning we need to do? We This issue came up around this key concern, and nobody really knew, had really good ideas or thoughts. So, wow, maybe we need to look at some further professional learning, and then that fuels our collaborative planning time of, do we need somebody external to come in and and help provide support. Do we need to go and and engage in a little bit further um, professional reading uh, mm-hmm. around this?
3: Or even accessing district supports that there might be a, you know, your district psychologist that can come and speak to a specific area of concern mm-hmm. or a specific mm-hmm. area that you're seeking more understanding on. But for sure, really influences, like when you get to that stuck place, it it should be the natural next step of we need mm-hmm. to do some more learning here. And
2: so how do we do that? You know, and that's exactly what happens, right? I love it because yeah. people do come with the research that they've done. Yeah. Um, not everybody, but many people. Um, and same with the district, right? Calling on them and getting them to join us, whether it's online like this or in person. Yeah, for sure.
3: Yeah, just really accessing all those resources that are available to you, but in a real uh, intentional way of meeting the needs of students, because sometimes (laughs) schools plan PD, but it's kind of the next latest and greatest thing <laughs> that is coming up. We're gonna focus PD on those areas because that's kind of the next topic that's that's surfacing in education. But, but rather than that, we are actually focusing our PD on the needs that we have identified from students through our collaboration, yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. which
3: is pretty powerful.
2: Yeah, because sometimes PD happens to you, right? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. exactly. Whether you need it or not. <laughs> yeah, <that's-> <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Dave, this has been just fantastic visiting with you. And we sure appreciate uh, giving us your time and oh, all yeah. of your experiences. And uh, yeah, we're just so grateful to have have been able to work with you.
2: Well, thanks, Jennifer, it was nice to meet you and Curtis and Lorna, always good to to speak with you. So back at you.
0: Ensuring success for all students is a moral imperative for all schools, but it takes a highly coordinated framework of structures and processes to maximize the collective capacity of the team.
3: In Collaborative Response, three foundational components that transform how we respond to the needs of learners, we share an organizational mindset that involves fundamental shifts for schools and districts.
0: Numerous school and district examples, as well as access to a large number of resources, are provided within the text and in the accompanying companion website
3: join the growing number of schools using collaborative response to ensure high levels of success for students and staff stemming from the essential belief that every child deserves a team
0: so wow you know i'm always fascinated when you hear leaders that that really exemplify that idea of the trust based vulnerability that that we talked about a little bit in that episode and Boy, Dave just exudes that idea that I don't know, but we'll find out together. Uh, yeah. I don't have all the answers, but how can we, how can we do this together? I, I think that vulnerability is so critical mm. when we think about collaborative response, and if the leaders aren't demonstrating it, it's really hard to expect that out of our our teachers and our staff teams as well.
3: Well, and the other, just jumping off of that, is the flick the flexibility that is required there too Mm -hmm. and knowing that you know this is not this is not a straight path from a to b (laughs) that you know when you begin collaborative response you start here and as we were saying you know it, it isn't a sequence but you try a few things and you might have to back up and make some adjustments but Dave sure provides that opportunity to listen to his teachers and to respond with that flexibility of, okay, we need to adjust this up as we go forward. And knowing that it's gonna be probably two steps forward and one step back and Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) around the corner and down the stairs. (laughs) It struck me as you were talking specifically about the supports for indigenous students and what he was sharing about, you know, putting it on the table and the relationships and then coming back to collaborative response. Going back to my old district hat when I was there, that was when they first brought in the new TQS, SLQS, and so on. I couldn't help but, but I'm like, oh, there's that piece. Oh, there's that piece. Oh, there's that piece. And how much collaborative response can support building up those quality standards.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that really struck me too, and it did all the way back when Dave was mentioning that him and I have known each other for quite a while through our different uh, leadership roles of coming into a school. And you could sense that the, the school understood why we want to collaborate, um, but it was the how. How do we do this well that I was able to help provide a few thoughts and ideas to help structure that time that um, really became taking it to that next next level uh, for them and Dave was super to be able to um, not only understand how those structures and processes could help build upon the the strong collaborative nature of the school already, but then how to continually build upon and refine and listen and adjust change like you heard him talk about I I think that's so key.
3: Well, and there's ownership in that too, right? For for the staff.
0: Right. It's that our it, collaboration. Yeah, response. that
3: it's not it's not him directing every step of the way, but there's ownership and he puts it out to have people respond to what they're doing and making those adjustments. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, that is that sustainability mm-hmm. piece beyond the people that are leading the work that we, you know, we work with our team. I mean, it's collaborative leadership, right?
0: (laughs) So Jen, this is the part of the episode where we turn to you and get you to just succinctly summarize what are our key (laughs) learnings that come out of it. So we're, we're always
1: amazed at how you're able to pull that together. So go for it. We're putting you on the spot. Vulnerable leadership, being able to put yourself out there and invite your staff to be a part of it with you. Flexibility, because we know that we don't know on day one what we're going to know on day 100 or 1000 or 10,000, so we need to be able to flexibly move along. The ability to impact quality standards um, through the process of collaborative response and building up that collective efficacy. And then the fourth one is that the structures and processes help with the sustainability of collaborative response beyond the people that are there. And Dave summarized it himself collaborative response is going to live on at wa day long after he is gone
0: absolutely well once again it's been a pleasure to engage in this episode to learn and hear from dave and again to just reinforce these understandings that we have around collaborative response and how it supports our students our staffs and our school communities so jen we look forward to the
1: next conversation thank you for bringing me along and letting me meet new partners
0: For more on collaborative response, visit jigsawlearning.ca or join the JL Insider to receive access to newly added resources and content. Make sure to follow us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast and the Jigsaw Learning YouTube channel to access past and upcoming episodes. Join us again for more conversations about establishing, refining, and deepening collaborative response.